You're listening to a podcast from the Media Motel. Coming up this week in episode 435, there's no stopping the big quiz, the gastronomic joy of crisp sandwiches, and is time up for the BBC. That's all coming up after the new radicals, and you get what you give.
This is one of my favourite singles of all time. Terrific, youthful oomph and zest. Very much a one-hit wonder as Greg Alexander decided to break up the band and uh, after one album and to concentrate on songwriting production. Mm. Number 36 on the Billboard Hot 100. Number five here in the UK from 1998. New Radicals and you get what you give, Jules. That really, well, personally, that is very true. And secondly, that, that was... <laughs> really genuinely ubiquitous wasn't it that tune mm, a, a massive way. radio hit as well i think and still gets used on things all the time everybody knows that song and you're right to say that he did go on to do songwriting mm. um he wrote the game of love for santana which won a, a grammy okay. award in 2003 but you might remember a lovely little film it's worth watching if you haven't seen i think it's really a, a really nice little film called begin again Right. It sometimes is on iPlayer because I think the BBC might have had some involvement with it. Um, it was came out in 2013 and it stars Kira Knightley and Mark Ruffalo. And mm-hmm. Kira Knightley plays a singer-songwriter who's discovered by a struggling label, label executive and they produce an album recorded in public locations all around New York City. Her kind of wrong and the boyfriend in it, who is in his own right a very famous pop star, is played curiously by Adam Levine from Maroon 5. Oh, okay. It's a nice little film. The songs in it are very sweet. And the lead song in it, called Lost Stars, is written by Greg Alexander. Ah, oh, ha, ha, ha. there we so, are. So, so I, I, I wonder. I don't think it won a lot in in terms. I'm just looking to see if it did win an awards. Um, uh, Lost Stars, the song was uh, nominated for best original song at the Academy Awards. Ah, well, there we are. I mean, he's he's clearly uh, Greg Alexander, a very talented. Yes, um, absolutely. He's mm. one of those people who you always feel might do something. Welcome to the podcast from the Parish Council. It's episode 435. I'm Terence Stackham, and here we are recording just hours before <laughs> her latest appearance on BBC Radio 2. It's Juliet Harris. That is very kind of you to reference that. Hours before I'm literally in Radio in 2. Radio that 2. is that yeah. is not just in on it, building. but in it. Yeah, in, in the building. I'm lo- looking forward to it. I don't want to look forward to it in case all of a sudden um, I wake up tomorrow and Hastings has broken off from the UK and is floating <laughs> in the sea and I can't get up to Radio 2. But uh, all being well, look forward to doing it very much. Well, Gav- on, hello, I haven't even said hello, have I? Honestly, I'm so wrapped up in my own soon-to-be stardom uh, that I've forgotten the, the 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 curious little people that listen to our podcast. I'm just joking. Always grateful as always. Hello, everyone. Well, gathering pace uh, like a snowball turning into an avalanche. Or going our, into hell, one of the two, yeah. It's our opening segment, the big quiz. Yes, the um, big, 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 big quiz. Hey, guys, love the quiz, etc. In the last episode, you may recall, I asked mm-hmm. you, the listener, and you, the Juliet Harris, yeah, that was to, me, yes. to identify five blokes named Dave. Yes, well, oh, no, you're going to do something else, aren't you, of this nature? Uh, uh, yeah, this is going to be similar nature. This week, I'm looking for five names of women. Oh, um, OK. Yeah, they're all in the titles of the five songs oh, you'll hear in a 30-second well, like this. Bit. This is a good quiz. One point for each name of a woman. And one point for each of the artists. I Lovely. think this is super easy for our final quiz seg- segment <sighs> before our break. Right, OK. So the names of... It worries fun- me. I get worried when you say it's easy. It's like an open goal. I'm going to do an Alan Ball and miss it from two yards out. But let's carry on. So, yeah, I'm looking for the names of, names of uh, five birds. Uh, women! Five women! Oh, not all, hashtag women. not all birds. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs>
let's do them in order from top of the shop to bottom of the shop. We had uh, Michael Jackson and his Billie Jean. Billie Jean, correct. Michael Jackson. Yes, indeed. We had Layla by, to give them their correct title, Derek and the Dominoes. Very good. I told you it was easy. Good. Well done. Uh, it's not too bad. Uh, we had um, Valerie, originally by the Zootons, but there by Amy Winehouse. What's Amy Winehouse and Valerie? Yeah, we had Come On Eileen, um, and that was by, as my dad insists on calling them due to Kevin Rowan's unfortunate speech impediment, uh, Deck Fifth Midnight Runners. All right. And uh, finally, we had uh, Dire Straits and Romeo and Juliet, I believe. Oh, and what a lovely way to finish the quiz for this year with a, uh, an endorsement of yourself. I well, thought. quite. Thank you very much. I have no doubt that that was, in, that was sincere and deliberate. So thank it you. It was Carl. sincere and deliberate, very much so. Um, do you know what, though? Listening to, um, when I was putting this together, listening to Amy Winehouse's Valerie, I just, mm. was, what a cracking track that was. It is. is. It was. It's, yeah. Well, it was, it was a genuinely good song. The original by the Zootons, Zootons is really yeah. good. But... Her version, her and Mark Ronson's version, I think it's 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 fair to credit to Ronson here because it was his production. I think it's beautifully sung, but it's a brilliant production. Um, it was a great cover version that it found something in the core in the in the original song that wasn't of prominence and it made it into something else. And I I think it's terrific. I think it's one of those rare cover versions that, with respect to to the Zootons, you would say was genuinely better than the original. Mm. oh yeah for sure um so yeah i mean i hope every you the listener i hope you got all five uh names it was it was it was probably one of the easier ones i think so so but thank you for for softballing me i would i will try and softball you in return i'm going to play um a classic christmas track sung by five people it doesn't get more classic than this the the archetypal christmas song um three of the performers are friends of ours from previous quizzes that i've done for you the you might remember them from such hits as um <laughs> yesterday um i can't get no satisfaction and i will always love you which are our, fe- our previous things can you tell me the five singers performing this classic christmas track of a The treetops, treetops, listen, little bitty. And children listen to hear sleigh bells in the snow. So, can you tell me those five singers of the classic tune White Christmas? As always, I sit here with my head in my hands, but I'm going to give it a go. I may need a bit of a clue. Uh, okay. we, we, first one, Bing Crosby. Yes, correct. Oh, um, oh, boom. Now, in, in, in with a bullet at number oh, one. Get it. Back of the net, as they say. Yes, um, Second one is from the Phil Spector Christmas album. Yes. Now, this is it. I can't off the top of my head. I'll, I'll go with the Ronettes, but it could be the Crystals. It's a, it's a solo person. Oh. Um, and oh, Darlene Love. Correct. Well done. So that's Needed a sweet. bit of help. Number three is an old friend of ours from this quiz. Is it Otis? It is. It's Otis oh. Redding. So three out of three. Number four, another old friend. 
Uh, I wasn't sure. It didn't quite sound like her, but I'm going to say Dolly Parton. It is Dolly Parton, oh, correct. You're doing so you well. You are doing mega well. So, number five, our old friend. Who was singer number five? Oh, this is someone we've had featured as well, is it? Yeah, I will laugh if you don't get this. Oh, Lord. No, because this was the one I wasn't sure about at all. Um, okay. Um, mm, 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 it's the mm. biggest star in the world. Oh, it's not Elvis again, is it? <laughs> it Isn't is Elvis one? again, yes. I'm, I'm going to make a fool of myself. I'm, I'm going to tell you what I wrote down here, which will have the entire listenership. What did you write down? Just saying, what a fool that Dakim is. I'm, I'm, I'm hesitating to say, I'm going to say, I'd written down Max Bygraves. <laughs> Oh my God! Wouldn't the world be a happier place if every Elvis impersonator was was replaced with a Max Bygraves impersonator? I'd be, I'd live a happier life. I, I suppose the question on the nation's lips is, what is it that you've got against Elvis? I really <laughs> struggle with Elvis, don't I? This is Absolutely. just amazing. It's clearly not a, I mean, I even left the I'm at the end in because I thought that made it sound more like Elvis, which is that's why. That, I, that's, uh, what, that's when I, I started scribbling Max Bygraves down. I, I just can't believe it. Anyway, that was, that was, we will call that five out of five. <laughs> You're very kind. Mostly because of the Max Bygraves thing. <laughs> so entertaining. I'm not even going to do six out of five because that is, for your honesty and, and your entertainment of the nation, arise Sir Terence of Dackham for your Thank services you to Comic Humour. Coming next, the joy of crisp sandwiches. I, was, I wasn't aware of this cover until um, Jules chose it, but it's really lovely. It's the shins. The mood is right. The spirit's up. We're here tonight. And that's enough. The party's on.
this time. Speaking of, like we did just now with the Valerie name you has and the Zootons of, of of covers of songs that find something that wasn't quite there in the original. There's a lovely bounce in this. I really like the original one for Christmas time by Paul McCartney, but there's a there's a kind of a a slightly sparky bounce and the clapping to this and the stomping that I just really like. That was the Shins and Wonderful Christmas Time. You know it's an American compilation because of the title of this album, mm-hmm. um, Holidays Rule. No, no yes. one over here refers to Christmas as holiday time. No one says happy holidays over here. And no one really. The only thing that rules in Britain is the Queen, I believe. I don't <laughs> think anything else rules. Well, at the time of writing, she does anyway. I don't think, I'm not sure if anyone else rules. Um, now, hello, Americans. Any references to crisps that you hear in the next few minutes refer to what you wrongly and erroneously call <laughs> potato chips. I like They're that. What you wrongly and erroneously call a, a big a big kiss to our friends across the water, uh, showing that we're bringing the world together at this very special time of year. This is just a sort of public announcement there. I felt needed saying. Um, My apologies to, about, to what is increasingly 15 to 20 percent of our listenership. We, are, we love you all. A week or so ago, I was really pleased to see um, your The Guardian publish a, a lengthy piece about the joys of compiling a very simple but delicious culinary mm. treasure, the crisp sandwich. Yes. Uh, writer Tony Naylor goes into some detail in relation to constructing the best it version. Does. Now, some people may take a superior approach and point out that crisp sandwiches never appear in the menu um, at the Wolseley, the Ivy or the Ritz. But I say more for them. The key thing for the best crisp sandwich experience is not to go fancy. You mm. need cheap white bread full of yes. E numbers and chemical enhancements. Um, if simple, it doesn't walk into the kitchen itself, it's not worth using. Yeah. You want simple spread, non, preferably non-dairy, and def- definitely, definitely not designer crisps, those pound fifty a packet. Uh, yeah. that you see. Go for the straightforward Walker's crisps, Tato ready in Ireland. Ready salted. Why are you doing anything else in a crisp sandwich? It's got to be ready salted. Lay's... Uh, around the world uh, yeah or supermarket owned bread yes they have to be ready salted um uh, no flavors the crisp they, they can't be too crunchy or have sharp angles they just be plain so, and, and then you just tuck into a feast of joy now jules you're a woman of great taste we know <laughs> so i mean yeah sandwiches I am, yes. I don't have them very often. I'll tell you what I'm a particular fan of. Uh, not to move away slightly from the sandwich element, yeah. but I am I am very keen on crisps. I've never had that sweet a tooth chocolate-wise. Perhaps when I got to my 20s, I ate it a bit more, but before then I wasn't that bothered. One thing I literally go nuts for, they've tried to reproduce this. It can't be reproduced unless you make it yourself. The singular taste of crisps and chocolate at the same time. So you, so you, so you, so you. For example, if you know you, someone's got a bar of chocolate and there's a packet of crisps around, you bite a bar of chocolate, and again, it usually has to be something fairly on the kind of ordinary side. So something like uh, Bourneville works, Dairy Milk works, something gloopy. No, it's that, or nothing, you know, n- nothing with a lot going on like Mars or Snickers or anything like that. As long as it's just, you know, a chocolate taste, yeah. have a bite of a crisp as well. They they did, when sure. they ha- first started experimenting with snazzy food flavours and snazzy crisp flavours, particularly in the 90s, they tried chocolate flavoured crisps. And I was really looking forward to them because I love the taste of chocolate and crisps at the same time, mostly because it is so forbidden. It is such a mad thing to do. You're really not meant to have sweet and savoury at the same time. And yet it was the forerunner of sweet and savoury popcorn 
popcorn. It was, it was, you know, but the actual chocolate crisps themselves were a great disappointment. They couldn't replicate the flavour. There are some flavours in crisps where you think, oh yeah, that genuinely does taste like prawn cocktail. Oh yeah, that does taste like Worcester sauce. They never made it with chocolate crisps and I was disappointed, but I very much like chocolate and crisps at the same time. Um, speaking of sandwiches, if if you know you you want a uh, if you want a dinner rather than a lunch and you do insist on having it on a sandwich, may I commend the fish finger sandwich as a as an excellent dinner option? I mean, again, it has to be white bread. Usually, it has to be bird's eye fish fingers. I say other brands are available. You know, again, not gourmet fancy ones, just fairly bog standard, mm. wrong run of the mill fish fingers. And there is something about this that has to be bog standard. It is comfort food, isn't it? it can't be too adorned or dressed up it's not luxury food it's something that's making you feel better if you see what i mean so it's so in a way it's it's more wholesome to have those sort of things it's it's very um so i'm yes i'm a fan of chocolate with at the same time um also so this is an interesting thing that i've got into in recent years my mum has this sort of we always tease her for her forrest gump-esque role in food history or rather her um she's sort of she became briefly known as the alan hansen of market research in hastings she was approached by somebody when she was literally walking past the town hall we thought it might be a joke at the time but it wasn't it was true and i was about six or seven who said can we take a few moments of your time we will pay you in biscuits and of course my mum instantly agreed to this because she's a very sensible woman and the reason they were paying her in biscuits is that she was asked to do some market research about biscuits and they were trialing different types of biscuits and she was offered a biscuit and she said why are you doing this that will never catch on who on earth would want a dark colored biscuit with a white inside that is ridiculous it will never catch on it's disgusting uh, so that my mum therefore getting in on the ground floor of the oreo market now <laughs> enormous i believe that also the other type she had were dennis the menace themed oreos which had red and black stripes kind of <laughs> i really wish they had caught on they sounded amazing but um yeah so so my i'm a big fan of the oreo particularly um the ice cream version of Oreos. So you can buy a, an outsized Oreo that is basically an ice cream sandwich. I oh, got very, very nice. I got very keen on those in the summer. They were they were very, very good. But yeah, but there's something about I there's something about children eating Oreos. I can see why that is off putting. you know, no one needs to see regurgitated black biscuits. But um yeah, i so so I've I've grown to love Oreos despite coming from a family who feared them. But um but yeah, there is like you say, there is something about these foods that aren't quite meant to go together or or seem incongruous so the crisp sandwich crisps and chocolate at the same don't really about crisps that that nothing's meant to go with them and yet somehow everything sort of does i am so i've i I can't believe i'm confessing this it makes me sound like i've got some terrible disorder or something but i have to say if no one's looking at the dinner table the lunch table i have been known to occasionally butter my crisps Oh, gosh, okay. Which is very odd, but but I, yeah. there's something about you know because clearly I didn't have enough mm-hmm. trans fats in my life. I really needed to get some more at that moment in time. But there is just something about butter and crisps that I just love as well. So maybe that's why. But if I'm not in the mood for bread, that's it's sort of the filling mm. of the crisp sandwich without the without the sandwich <laughs> bit, isn't it? Really, yeah. I, I and I think everyone has their own odd combinations of things. I've I've got. Um... Uh, two other simple recipes that so-called qualified chefs and restaurants <laughs> seem to ignore. 
um, and uh, that again I fear may, many will look down upon. But um, you may be aware in the tins of stuff aisle, supermarkets um, sell tins of Heinz baked beans with mm. sausages in. Well, yes, I know and like these. Mm, well, Morrison's do an own brand version with vegetarian sausages. So I, I, mm. I particularly like these now. I bung these on a plate and into you can put them in the microwave for three minutes, uh, stir yep. halfway. And then after that, into the microwave a pack of instant microwavable rice and that cooks in two minutes chuck the beans and sausages onto the rice then you've got to add hp brown sauce at the side for added sort of loveliness as a sort of sauce um and uh, well i mean they should serve that at the dorchester and fortnum and mason i think it's absolutely out of this world then for pudding Mm. When do you think it can't get any more gourmet? You know, this just finishes off the meal with exquisiteness, really. Put a very generous portion of plain vanilla ice cream in a bowl. And then Mm. while it's just softening a little, just a little little bit melting, get a standard size packet of Maltesers and either bash them unopened yet, of course, with your your fist or for a more sophisticated approach. (laughs) That's quite. What could be more sophisticated than that? Belt them with a rolling pin or a hammer. Now, open the packet of Smash Maltesers and sprinkle (laughs) over your vanilla ice cream. OMG. As you young people say, OMG. It's a well. What a hedonistic thrill awaits you. That's that sounds genuinely great. And speaking of your heating things up and putting them on unusual things, a friend of mine uh, teased me about this at the time. We still giggle about it now. When I went away to university, I did not have the culinary skills that I do now, and as a result of which, had some quite outlandish meals at times. And she said to me once, "I do feel your nadir was tinned ravioli on toast." But actually, I have no regrets. It was also very nice. That that sounds perfect to me. Coming up next, is time up for the BBC as we know it? We thought we'd finish the year on, you know, a a truly, truly restful topic, yeah. That's right after free. Help me to repay the things I have done wrong. Help me find a way.
such a lovely track but a bit of an oddity in that it was tucked on to the end of the excellent free live album even though it was recorded in the studio um from one of the greatest live albums of all time and with the wondrous bass playing of andy fraser from 1971 and the album free live free and get where i belong excellent choice i'm a big fan of free my mum was a huge fan of free and i I, what can i say i think they've done some fantastic tunes my brother jake is probably my favorite Mm. but they've done some they've done some wonderful things i feel a little bit like everyone just thinks they're all right now but actually they've got lots of other strings to their bow i think very much so indeed um we had a queen's speech here in the uk at the start of uh, a fresh parliament uh, this week And there'd been expectation that reform of the BBC or at least a licence fee might have been included. And um, by the way, despite defending the BBC over many decades, which I've done against politicians of all stripes, I've always felt that calling it a licence fee is a misnomer. It's a tax, just as one is forced to pay a road tax in the UK if you want to drive on the roads, which is to the astonishment, I must say, of many um, people that don't uh, live in the UK. We have to pay a mandatory tax to watch television. It's currently £154.50 per year. Now, as I say, I've long defended the BBC, but I'm changing my stance. As years go by, the BBC moves further away from me, um, or I'm moving away from it, to be fair. About 95% of its programmes have no appeal to me. I'm not interested in EastEnders, Mrs Brown Boys, Graham Norton. Indeed, I've never watched any one episode of any of those so i could live without bbc television so therefore why jules do i have to pay a tax to watch television even if i don't want to watch the bbc so it's not just a, a license for tv it also covers radio yeah. that's my that's my first point on the pushback of that um the output of the bbc is a lot more than three programs and also just the bbc one the bbc has a number of different channels a number of different broadcasting services um i think it's tremendous value for money for what it puts out by the way i still do think it's value for money um but i'm also, forced to pay it jules it, it might be value for money if you like what they're putting out but i'm forced to pay it even if i don't watch it 
So, so you pay. So, so you are you saying that you don't watch anything on the BBC or you don't listen to any BBC radio? No, I, I do. I do because I pay you the do. fee. I think that having a public service broadcast, we do have more than one. We have Channel Four as well, which is which is a public. It's just partly public and partly private. I always find Channel Four a bit weird in just how to describe it, but it's yeah, but it's but it has a public public service broadcast kind of um, sort of bit to it. I think that a public service broadcaster in the BBC can hold people to account in the way that a commercial broadcaster can't. I suspect we're going to go on to talk about the BBC's non-political slash political hue, and yes, I suspect uh, we probably won't agree about yeah. that. But um, I think that the interest, the, re- the reason why I think the BBC has lost its way is big or, or is beginning to lose its mm. way Art is I think it is incredibly important to have a public service broadcaster that is not in hoc. I think that America suffers enormously from having public service broadcasting that is pushed to the margins and has places like I mean it was a commercial news channel in Fox that delivered it its most uh, frightening non-orthodox president in, in, in its history I would say um, I don't always but agree. voted for by the majority of people who voted uh, no, actually, Hillary Clinton won the pop- within each state. Yes, I know she won the. So, uh, so yeah. But within each state, he won more votes, won and, more states than anybody. And, than now, and, and now has ratings through the floor, interestingly. So, um, and actually, interestingly, Fox are now turning against him. And I wonder if those two things are uh, two things are tied up together. I don't know. But I so to go on to the BBC political thing. Hmm. Um, I I think my friend has always said about the BBC, if both sides moan about the BBC, then that is usually a sign that they're probably pitching it about right. Um, I think that the Corbynista-led abuse towards Laura Coonsberg was absolutely disgraceful. I don't think she is... Uh, she's made some mistakes, I think. I think a lot. She I think did lot, in this campaign. She, all, she definitely made mistakes in this campaign. Mostly on, mostly on social media. Interestingly, mm, yes, not so much on TV, on Twitter. Um, but yes, I don't disagree. I think that all of the broadcasters made mistakes in this election. Um, I think it was the one that most miser- was the most miserable election I've ever lived through, and I suspect that you probably don't feel entirely dissimilar. I no, think I people found that. it very, very, very depressing. Um, I am interested as to why um conservative well i'm interested as to why this conservative government is so keen to go after it so quickly um i find it interesting i don't think i actually think the bbc suffers from trying to maintain its own neutrality and i think we've talked about this before and by neutrality they keep mistaking they seem to be caught in a kind of an eternal feedback loop of wrongness as to what um what anti biases so so yeah, they're eternally seem... seeking a balance even when it's, someone it's... Com- if somebody comes on and says the earth is going to catch fire this afternoon that you, someone, you know they, they'll, they, have, they, they'll have to get yeah. someone else yeah. from shell who will say no it won't <laughs> mm. and uh, or or you know if they said the uh, if someone went on uh, i'm surprised i'm genuinely surprised we've never had the flat earth society mm. on 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 today i think so so I think that that necessarily, I don't think that translates in the BBC becoming more left wing. Actually, I think that it had, I think it's covered Brexit very poorly, I must admit. And I'm not just saying that because I was a Remainer, but I think that it's let a lot of things 
go unchallenged I think it's a lot of things sliders fact um I think I I was wary of the presence of James Harding when he joined the BBC and I'm, I'm not entirely pleased with the with the the kind of direction its news agenda has taken but I will always pay taxes for that and I will always defend the right for it to exist. You can criticise something and still defend for its right to exist. And I think if it doesn't exist, then we will find ourselves in trouble pretty quickly. And the most frightening thing about that is that we won't know we're in trouble until we suddenly are. I'm sure many would agree, people listening in the UK, other than those that work for the corporation, that the BBC has way too many management tiers with far... Oh, yeah, I don't, I don't disagree with that, but I'm defending the principle of the BBC. Yeah, and, and they've got far, far too many senior managers, managers creaming off um, eye-watering salaries with, with expenses adding on, added on. Now, I found it very illuminating that when the long-serving BBC presenter John Humphreys retired a few months back, he noted in his memoirs that he published straight away, serialised in uh, newspapers, that the BBC had, and this is a quote, an institutional liberal, end of quote, bias, and a Kremlin-like corporate structure. I think there is so much wrong with the, uh, at the BBC. That, as I just said, fat cat management, Appalling. I would I would point out that part one of the the wrong BBC decisions was to let John Humphreys, who'd gone far past the point of being an effective broadcaster, to continue for as long as he did on the salary that they did. Oh, he, he was another one that was paid to. So, so, exactly. So I wouldn't necessarily be putting a lot of store by the comments of John Humphreys. Um, I think it's interesting that someone worked there for so long, 40 years. His view was that there's a, a, a liberal bias. But anyway, mm. appalling gender pay disparity oh which yes still that is shameful on. i'm very angry about that and, and to be fair they have been in, it's it's shocking that they were embarrassed into doing that and it, it still exists and i i do feel i feel that there's always been this talk of uh, a left-wing bias at the bbc but the feel that i get as someone pretty neutral about this i don't have you know i'm not sort of on the extreme you know yay boris good old conservatives nor am i particularly you know good old labor um i do feel a liberal left-leaning bias throughout the whole corporation people i know who work there it is very hard if you speak to a group of people who work at the bbc it is very very hard to find amongst them somebody who who is not of a very sort of liberal left-wing bias and the, the latest election has shown and this is why i think it's important now the election that we had the results of one week ago is that therefore if i'm right it's way out of step with the majority view that prevails in this country now we've I, uh, I, but then i think that that's a that's a the the last election was the most unusual we ever had there were lots of different drivers in how people voted exists. and i think i please let me finish and i think to, to quote our friend jeremy corbyn if you'll just let me finish um, <laughs> I, <laughs> um I um i i think that to assume i think it's dangerous to assume from some of the the vox pots we've seen and some of the some of the kind of uh, some of the reasons and some of the polls that have been released since kind of tracking back to assume that lots of people voted conservative out of any real enthusiasm for conservative values i think it was an almost war type election in that people voted people genuinely did vote to get brexit done it was a, it was a, it was a hell of a slogan and it cut through but 
I think it's dangerous to say that therefore the country is right wing, a particularly right wing conservative government. I didn't say right wing. I think the the UK people in the UK are generally rather centrist. I don't think there is a a, a real desire. What he was trying to say, I think, was the idea that the BBC is is out of step by being liberal because of, because a majority conservative government's been voted for. You, I I think it's dangerous to go down that route. I don't I don't think it I don't think it makes an awful lot. Of, I don't think the logic necessarily follows and i think that you say that people have a liberal bias that work for it that might well be true but it is a public service broadcaster and i think that if you are someone that is proud to work for a public service broadcaster that is interested in working for a public service broadcaster that is out of the commercial sphere that does not make well it has become a money-making arm and that's why it's causing some of the problems that it did but i that it is but I I think that it is a natural thing for people who are of that kind of perspective. And let's face it, the the, the print media in this country is is without you know as you know I'm no Greek fan. I don't subscribe to the Canary, but uh, but but yeah. the, the media in this country is by and large to the right and 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 has been for a very very long time i think that we i'm a, a great believer in a free press and a pluralist press and so actually i think well given how given how sort of to the right the press media in this country is and the written media in this country is i don't i think to have a kind of a, a, a spread of television channels you can get sky news as well you know you that there are different channels we can experience i think but that, i don't have to pay for them no, but then having said that, you like, like I've said, the BBC provides a whole sort of scale of services. I do, I do believe. I think that to, to talk about what, whether or not we should pay for television, I find the the aspect of the elderly people and the and the over sixty five license is quite interesting, and that's one of the things that's put the BBC in quite severe trouble. I think financially, in that the government now will not bear that cost anymore. I think the government should at least be bearing that cost because actually i think that a lot of the, the a lot of the polls that we've had a lot of these surveys and research um that's the word i'm, I'm fumbling for the research that we've had shows that, uh, that I, I really like some of the loneliness uh, commissioning that has been coming out recently and the staff loneliness that was appointed that was originally uh, that was originally um, tracy crouch i think and then i think it was mims davis i'm not sure what, what it will be now it was one one of the legacies of Joe Cox that a loneliness commission was set up and that television and, and radio particularly are huge, uh, huge sort of company for, for the elderly. Mm. So actually, I th- I'm happy to, I, th- I think it's right. I'd be happy to pay tax if it meant that other people experience television. I, I don't mind paying for things that I don't necessarily experience if they provide a social good. OK, a couple of quick points from me just to finish. First of all, about there being... Um, more right-leaning press in this country than anything else you or anybody else could start up a left-leaning newspaper tomorrow nobody would buy it the reason that people that we've got mainly right-leaning press in this country is that's the newspapers that people want and buy uh the 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 telegraph the times and the mail are are just and the sun are the most popular newspapers um the other thing i was going to say i do think it's wrong to have the representative voice of the people so out of step with the feelings throughout the country at the moment. I understand what you say, and I heard what you said about it um, being a, a special election. But nonetheless, whatever way we look at it, the vast majority of MPs in the House of Commons now are Conservative MPs, and the country has 
given its voice to that for whatever reason. So I'm convinced it's as left wing and biased in its output as you are, though. That's okay. the problem. But I'm just thinking, Jules, that maybe it is time. This is my last sentence now. Maybe it's time for reform, abolish the license fee, allow subscriptions or advertising and a root and branch change of management away from the Notting Hill I was lefties, I'm afraid, you know, the entobs of this world, and towards a representation of Great Britain as it is today. And I will say you will miss it when it's gone. <sighs> I'm not sure. I'm not sure. I think many will. I'm not sure I would. I you might not as an individual, you might miss the you might miss the un you might miss the scrutinized society that we will lose. Possibly. Now, we're taking our customary break at this time uh, of year. But I'm packing my case. Terence is taking me to the Canaries. <laughs> I'm very much looking forward to it. When do we leave? <laughs> we'll be back early in the new year. Yes, um, absolutely. Once once uh, we'll be packed up with Bagpuss in, you know, we'll be put back in the box. And then and then when it is time, some will blow off the dust and we will be released back uh, to, to, a, to a very grateful public, which we're uh, delighted for. Thanks very much for listening, especially to people who have been with us all through the year. Well, absolutely yes it's been lovely to hear from people most weeks yeah absolutely so so no when we ever we get tweets and people just sort of suggesting songs we've had some cracking song suggestions this year we've had some really nice friendship from people so thank you very much and for all that terence and i occasionally don't agree on things um thank you terence for being such a such a nice podcast companion (laughs) i wouldn't want to do it with anybody else and that's the truth that is Um, that is too kind thank you who who else is going to do a super extended mega mix for five people singing white christmas it was to a to a world that it was a the answer to a question that nobody asked but anyway it was there anyway thanks to producers uh, rona and hilly throughout the year as always yes thank you and to play us out jules a seasonal song from a singer who's a favorite really of both of us yeah absolutely this is something we do very much agree on we're both mm. big fans of of uh, of this person um r.i.p to sharon jones who who mm. passed away a year or two ago now and uh i was very sad to hear this she was somebody who got a got a certain level of fame later in her life interesting i'm always fascinated by people mm. that that go on to be to go on to be public names later in their lives liz smith the uh the the the, the, the sadly diseased actress um her first sort of major prominent role was when she was 51 so i do like <laughs> the idea that there are sort of late late developers everywhere i I think it's great um sharon jones released her first record when she was 40 years old um in 2014 when she was not that far away from a not that far away from 60 she managed to get nominated for her first grammy um for the in the r&b category for give the people what they want um very sad to say that she slightly longer ago i thought she she passed away fairly recently she was age 60 in 2016 when she passed away on daptone um the label um from one of my favorite christmas albums which is uh, it's a holiday soul christmas um i i really love this i think it's i think it's such a, a lovely album i think she was a, a cracking singer that i'm glad that she did get her due if you see what i mean i'm sorry that she couldn't be with us for longer but um to fit in with the white christmas theme i thought i would play my favorite version of white christmas which is this the brilliant sharon jones and the dap kings um and white christmas and a very merry christmas too so terence of dackham and Oh, 
You've been listening to a Parish Council production. <laughs>